0: All right, we are rolling, Mm -hmm. counting us down, Uh three, two... I'm
1: afraid. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to Missing Out. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael. And today we're joined by special guest, friend of the show, J.Q. Salazar... Yeah. <laughs> be, 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 uh, th- welcome back. Hi. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Uh, for those who are uninitiated, those who haven't listened to the show before, uh, what we do here is we introduce each other to different media, whether it be movies, music, television, books, spoken word experiences, things that have built us up as people. We share those with each other. We share those with you, the audience. And we. Uh, try to hope that builds you up as well uh we are the retrospective that is introspective
1: i like to think we're all helping each other cope hell yeah it's a hard hard world it's a hard hard world and yeah
0: it's all it's all so fragile and finite (laughs) and that's what we're here for kids oh yeah um so this week jay has brought in the darren aronofsky 2006 movie uh the fountain uh so yo you gotta pitch this uh we are this is our segment called the pitch where you tell everybody what they are missing out on in this feature so uh i'm gonna hand the mic over to you do do your thing jay
2: okay um so the fountain it's a 2006 film that one of my favorite films of all time um very Very underappreciated, I feel like. Uh, Definitely didn't do any impact at the box office back in 2006. But it's a film that's about um, essentially life and death, but also kind of a tragic love story. Um, Very psychedelic, very haunting, very visual. Um, I feel like there's no other film like it. So, yeah, The Fountain.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I I feel like uh, I have to tell – I have to read – the synopsis for people because it was so it's so misleading that it makes my insides hurt um, the, the synopsis as listed where as listed when you google the fountain
1: okay so it's the first thing that comes up before you get all the links in
0: the yes section. okay so it is a man hugh jackman travels through time on a quest for immortality and to save the woman rachel weiss he loves uh and it's like that's sort of You're true. wrong. All of it's wrong. I mean, it's bullshit. Well, cool
2: yeah, that's that's basically not the story.
0: And that's how it was advertised. Like that's how the the, the trailers yeah, sure. as well try to like, no, actually, convey
2: it. Um, since I just watched it again, I watched the trailer for it on the DVD, and they very much emphasize like the different times. Like they actually like say that the future timeline is in the year 2500, which in the movie there's nothing concrete like that, you know?
1: Right. I remember watching this trailer a whole bunch in high school. I remember, I remember we would just throw lines from the trailer at each other constantly.
2: Right. Right. Oh dude, this was like, I I was obsessive about it. I I watched the trailer like 20, 30 times, probably like in a day, like I would just ogle over it because I, you know, at the time I'd never seen visuals like that. And I, my, my idea of like what the film was at that point based on how it was being marketed was like insane too. So I, I was really You know, I was basically camping out for this one.
1: Yeah, I remember you being super, super into it at the time. I remember watching it in the theater in 2006 and feeling like I didn't really
2: get it. Oh, yes. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like it's easy to, like, not get if you're going in thinking it's, like, this weird time travel story. Like, I didn't watch the trailer before I watched it, and so I was just like, maybe it's, like, the, the... book slash movie the time machine where this dude is like I'm gonna go back in time like all the like classic like time travel movies and stories where someone is like literally going back in time to try to change things ultimately to realize that it's futile and you're like okay I am that is what I went in expecting but then you get into the movie and like it you have to really understand that that's not what it is. It's a nonlinear storytelling in a way that like, you have to realize that some of these pieces are metaphors, right? You gotta, it's not, there's nothing literal about either the conquistador pieces or the bubble pieces. The, the core storyline is about Hugh Jackman's character, uh, Tommy, Tom, Tomas, um, essentially dealing with the grief and, and, and inevitability of his wife's demise.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. And it's like, that's the best way to sell it to somebody if they, you'd really want them to enjoy it. Is It's just a, it's really a story about two people uh, dealing with death. Right. Um, but, but just kind of has, is like very flourishing in its tangents.
0: I mean, I also, I feel like you can't, you can't sell it without really, um, Talking about how visually stunning this movie is. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many sequences that are just mind-blowing to look at, and and once you kind of start to dive in to like Aronofsky's r- reasonings behind them, and and also just like all of the the nebula footage, which is actually just micro. Uh, it's it's what is it? What right, I it's like petri dishes. Yeah, um, which is insane. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, just the the amount of like detail and love that is put into making this this visually stunning. I would call it a masterpiece of cinema. Um, that's I like your masterpiece voice.
1: Thank you. That's that's how you know he really likes something is when he uses his masterpiece voice. Yes.
2: Mmm. I, I really had sp- no idea. I was like, I don't know how. I don't know how Tari's gonna take this one because I. I Knew that you hadn't seen it, yeah. Um, but I'm glad you liked it.
1: Yeah, I uh, I had a quite an experience watching this movie this time because I had not seen it since that first time in 2006, and I it was the last thing I did before coming to do the show today. And I'm still like I'm processing a lot of really intense. Feelings that this movie stirred up in me, and I feel like now I I have sort of fallen in love with it in a way, and I'm not sure if it's for the exact yeah. same reasons that you did, but I I would venture to guess that there's a great deal of overlap.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would well, imagine. Well, okay, so
2: so I'll say this is that like when I went into it in high school, like I was very much like I was saying, like I was hyped up for it, and then it turned out to be like a completely different movie from what I thought it was going to be, and I was like, man, I don't even get it. You know, I felt like very. You know, young and, and naive, and I was like, "I just don't get it, but it was like the the atmosphere that it evoked and and the feeling and the, the score I mean we could talk about the score as its own podcast, I feel like is in my opinion, it's my favorite uh film score ever
1: uh the, um, the music by right. Clem Mansell, who collaborates with Aronofsky yes. pretty regularly
2: right, right, and also the the Chronos quartet was like part of that, and they also uh collaborated on the Requiem for a dream soundtrack, which is obviously very very well known even if you don't know where it's from you've definitely heard the the requiem oh yeah you
1: you've heard it in trailers for other things
2: mm-hmm. right right um but anyway like just all that like you know it, it just had me but 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 like i wasn't you know I, I hadn't experienced enough in life to like be able to really you know feel sympathetic towards this film or like understand it even like on that level of you know life and death and love and stuff because i was young but like the aesthetics of it kept me coming back and that's why i rewatched it countless times throughout the years. And and every time I watch it, it's definitely different. Like, you don't, you know, it's, it's not like you get it. You know, like, you feel like you get it. And, and then like, the next time you see it, you get something different. And it's, that's just the kind of movie it is, I think.
0: Yeah, I feel like this is the kind of movie that grows with you. Like, I don't think that I would have been able to appreciate this guy wrestling with the things that he was if I had not been the age, like in my like early thirties, being like, yeah, 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 we're all gonna die. Like, I feel like if I was watching it yeah. in my like teens or like early twenties, I'd be like, okay, I get the gist. Like, I like the conquistador stuff because it's visually cool and there's action, but I don't necessarily connect with this guy and his struggle. If anything, I'd be like, what's his deal? Because uh, he's kind right, of mean right. to his dying uh, wife. Yes. Um. Right.
1: Yeah. I. I feel like this is exactly the right time in my life, or maybe the first time in my life, where this could truly hit me the way I think it hit me, because right, like we're all right around the same age, and this is about the time, like r- around thirty, I feel is right. where you really start to become aware. And this is maybe to, was this something Hugh Jackman talked about while he was giving interviews, uh, for this movie? He was talking about how like when you hit thirty, uh, you become sort of aware that. It is finite, and oh, shit, I'm actually going to die eventually. Um, And you start really feeling the weight of that. And I don't know why, but it has been so prevalently on my mind lately, this idea of everything being finite, of there absolutely being uh, an end for all of us in terms of reality as we perceive it, and how that best-case scenario on a long enough timeline, it still happens, and it happens to every. Living thing, and so no, on top of the concept of your own demise, you become aware by extension that other people's lives are finite as well and are every bit as fragile as yours is. And so the fear of loss becomes incredibly powerful and at times overwhelming. And I don't know why, but lately I've been heavily, like really intensely, dealing with a lot of these concepts and my my emotional responses to them. So when I watch this today. I like I I came right here after I watched it, but I feel like when we're done, I need to go home and just sort of sit and reflect for a little while.
0: Yeah, Um, I feel like this is a good time to put up that sweet, sweet spoiler wall like this. This like Mandy, which we talked about last week, isn't necessarily a movie that can be specifically like spoiled per se in terms of plot. Right. Because like the the synopsis and all the commercials will tell you that like his wife is dying. And he's doing stuff to try to prevent it. I think that like a lot of this movie um, is in the journey and in the execution of the visuals and the individual moments. But like if you don't want to hear an in-depth discussion about those moments without context, then I would say like pause this right here. Um, go watch the movie. You can find it on the internet. Uh, it's free on 2B TV. Um, you can also rent it on Amazon and all that stuff. Um, uh, so I would say do that, watch it, and then come back. We'll still be here, uh, unless the apocalypse happens and then it doesn't matter to you anyway. Um, so that is my spoiler wall. And now I'm throwing it back to Jay. pow. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think
2: like the one thing you can spoil, I guess, would be that his wife dies, which, you know, like, I mean, do, are people coming into this movie thinking that he's going to save her? I, I don't know if that's like... They've clearly thing, never but...
1: seen an Aronofsky film before. <laughs> his goal is rarely <laughs> yeah. to make you feel nice things.
2: Right. Dude, uh, real quick, I did want to touch on i don't know how much you guys knew about but like how this is like uh, this was a failed production for a long time before it came came out the way it did yeah right he was Um, he was
1: trying to put it together right after requiem right and he got brad pitt on board based on requiem and i guess whatever the version of the script he had at the time was
2: right and uh and kate blanchett was the other one um but that but at the time they were going to give him a budget of 70 mil and then brad pitt pulled out for whatever reason i think it's something to do
1: with he wanted script revisions
2: and they wouldn't budge Oh yeah, maybe. Um, But I guess eventually, you know, it it was it was shut down. And and Aronofsky, I I remember reading how he said that he just couldn't get it out of his mind. Like he kept, like it was haunting him that he had to get it made still. So then he re-entered negotiations at like half the budget with Hugh Jackman, which you know at the end of the day, thank you for doing that because I love Brad Pitt and all, but this is like a Hugh Jackman moment. You know, like to me, it's like top three you know performances from him. Um, And I already love you jackman but i don't know what do you guys think of uh all that
0: um i i definitely feel like if brad pitt was in the driver's seat it would have been like a brad pitt movie yeah i like i don't even know what changes he would have tried to implement but i don't think they would have he saves
1: his wife because he's
0: brad pitt famous movie actor right of course he like he does it by just looking at her and then he like smooches her and then she's like oh i guess your smooches are the cure to cancer. And then... uh, He's like,
1: it's because I drank the white stuff from the tree. Now I have
0: magic healing kisses. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to drink that that tree jizz.
1: And now, like, cut to, however, what is it, uh, 13 years later, and we're on The Fountain 17, and it's just 17 movies. It's like his born Brad Pitt, just globe hopping through time and shit, just magic kissing problems away for everybody. Right, of course. Um, He uses bubble transport. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) that's how he gets around yeah and he's like the he's the version from the end of the movie uh the Hugh Jackman that looks a little like Tilda Swinton
0: yeah I was calling him Voldemort Hugh
1: that first shot when he's in the black cloak he looks very much like Voldemort
0: yeah yeah (laughs) um but yeah I think that like I think that also it seems like the Uh, The changes in the scripts were because like Aronofsky himself had grown up and not grown up, but like he had uh, gotten to a different place in his life. And when he was writing it, his um, his parents got were like diagnosed with cancer and he was dealing with that. And so I feel like a lot of that contributed to where the script came from. And like it, it really infused a lot of character into the Tommy character. And I think that like, if he had gone through with it back then, it wouldn't be as impactful as it is now. Hmm.
2: Yeah, I can see that. Um He did, he did release a, or I guess release, but he wrote, drew a, <laughs> a graphic novel of the fountain based on the original script, which got published at the time when he thought that the movies wasn't going to happen. Yeah,
1: I very much now want to pick that up.
2: Right. Yeah. It's it's definitely way more way more on the visual with the space and, and the space visuals and like the psychedelicness. Yeah. Of it.
1: Part of what enabled him to finally make the movie for the lower budget was that he just took these really massive sequences from the script that were going to be super expensive and just excised them.
0: Yeah. I, one of them I, that I read about was that he wanted there to be a big giant like battle between the Mayans and the conquistadors. Uh, but then because of the budget cuts, uh, it ended up just being like one guy versus the, the, the army of Mayans, which I think ultimately ended up working out better because as metaphor, right. It's right. one
1: guy trying to overcome something insurmountable that will almost certainly
2: win. Right. Right. And that's why I'm saying like, I, I think this is the best outcome anyway. Um, cause like, I don't know, like, yeah, like, do we really need a giant army battle, you know, when it's not about that? Right.
1: Yeah. Like it would look cool for sure, but it might have ultimately felt superfluous.
2: Right, right, yeah. And then seeing Noah, I can imagine. Right,
1: like that's exactly where my head went. Yeah. Like it would, <laughs> I feel like he finally got to get a lot of that stuff out of his system when he made Noah.
0: Right, right.
1: And also, I I do think like he finally got to work uh, with Russell Crowe on Noah as well, and Russell Crowe was somebody he went to between Brad Pitt and Hugh Jackman. But apparently, dude was so exhausted from being on boats uh, from uh, Master and Commander. That he's like, nah, I'm gonna go home for a little while. No more, no more boats. And Aronofsky, I'm sure, tried to convince Russell Crowe that there aren't actually boats in this
0: picture, but Russell Crowe is not having it.
2: Yo, side note, Master and Commanders tight. Yeah, I've still never seen it.
0: Oh, come back, it's a good come one. back and, and do that one too.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, the what did you guys make of the kind of like almost like a subplot about his ring, his wedding
0: ring that he loses? Um, I thought it was really interesting because I feel like it um i liked the metaphor that essentially his his wedding ring is actually his connection with his wife and that like he lost track of who of that of like him her as a person in trying to save her um and i i really cuz there's there's this moment with his boss where she's like who's with your wife right now and he's like, I'm I'm here to fucking try to save her, and it's like, dude, you're you you lost track of like why you're trying to save. It's because of the love that you share, and it's it's all kind of encompassed in that ring. And I really liked that. I feel because I also feel like it was a very easy thing to miss. Yeah, uh, as far as like explicit metaphor,
1: you mean? Right. Yeah, and I also I mean the the golden circle as a symbol for life is one of the older kind of c- common culturally shared symbols that there is going back to the sun. I would assume that's, that's what they're referencing. The sun, that famous Paul McCartney song. Right. The yes, song. of course. Yes. Um, so that as well. And when he loses, uh, his connection to his wife, right? He's, he's also losing that ring in the process, that ring symbolizing life. And then at the end of the movie, when he's, when he's tattooing himself very, uh, painfully with that pen, the the ring the image of the ring is still there, but now it's a black ring that that sort of resembles ash in a way Yeah, so the the reflection the darker reflection of life, which is death
2: It's mm, a good way to put it. Well, you know one thing I You know kind of like what where I my thoughts centered on because on different viewings I feel like you know, you, you kind of stick with different aspects of the film more and last night um, I really stuck with the, the ring idea and how he loses it and that like the way he finds it again is obviously like a giant metaphor, but you know, it's uh, him in the the conquistador timeline when he he's about to put the ring on after he ate all the tree sap and he can't put it on. He, he drops it. Um, and then future him picks it up and puts it on, you know, and like, that's kind of like, you know, his uh, enlightenment, so to speak, that he comes to terms with the fact that, you know, it's okay that she died and that you're going to die. And, and that's him finding his his marriage again, in a sense.
0: I like that all the eventually all of the the hues come together, um, which can be s- interpreted in terms of color and also in terms of person. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that face, Lex. He's he's <laughs> like, I see it. I see all the colors. <laughs> like, I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. All the hues come together because. Um, I mean, we, we have, um, we have modern hue, we have conquistador hue and we have, uh, monk hue. And eventually like once, once, uh, regular hue gets on, gets on track, like then you kind of see if you, if you were to kind of put this in a, a, um, a more psychological, uh, viewpoint then like the conquistador is definitely more of his like animalistic, like, uh, like itty type urges and and like the monk is more of his like super type things where like you you have your enlightenment versus your your real um primal urges to try to fight against nature um and like eventually they all kind of come together and really have to find the same message which is that like death is a part of the the great cycle that golden circle where you know as you die you you create something new and and that you, that is the only way to really live forever mm-hmm. um and yeah. so i love that like even though it starts fairly disparate like they all kind of essentially form that circle and one of them gets to be plants ooh yeah i mean we all become plants eventually right I mean if we if we're cremated, not so much. I mean but like people put ashes. You'll return to the here. earth somehow. Yeah, we
1: eventually we get back there. We don't necessarily all become plants though. That I mean, I guess so. Con- conquistador Hugh con Conquistador is breathing rarefied air and that he gets to be all of those nice plants.
0: But so I is is that the way that he ends the book with, with Conquistador Hugh becoming plants? Um I would assume so, right? Like it seems like well, well, you know, it seems like all of it is
2: the ending. Like like all three timelines, the way they end, are the ending to the book. Mm. Like as if in a metaphor, but I think literally, like that would have been the written ending. Was what happens to him? Right.
0: I mean, that would make sense Uh, because I feel like if I were if I were reading this book and and some monk guy appeared and was like, yo. Uh, the right. tree wouldn't, now it would work like right that. Um,
2: um, I, I think that like you would read the book and you would get to the ending and you would be like hmm, what do I take from this book is that you know don't be greedy life is supposed to, you're supposed to die and, and you can't have more try to create more of it out of nothing yeah. um, and that's kind of what you know she's trying to tell him that he needs to, to learn so it all really works well in parallel to itself
0: yeah and I uh, kind of talk talking about their relationship. I really like the just I guess how genuine the interactions between uh, Rachel Weisz and uh, Hugh Jackman are throughout this film. Like you can tell that he is exasperated and he is he is really like struggling. Like I I read somewhere that he essentially decided to have different poses for each of the different hues. Um, so his his Tommy um persona had was always hunched over because you feel like he has a weight on his shoulders. Whereas like the conquistador Hugh is very like straight backed and, and forward leaning because he is all about like conquering and that's his whole purpose. Um, and I really liked how, um, there's this, there are all these moments where you can tell that she is at peace with the concept of dying and he's still trying to bear the weight of fixing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like I, I, I can't um I can't uh praise Rachel Weiss enough for really like diving into this character and really like conveying that idea. Like I know I had read that she went and stayed and talked to people who were dying of terminal illnesses just to get a, a feel for it. And I feel like she really like sold it.
1: Yeah, the the performances in this are, are uniformly great and obviously the movie is carried by those two, but then you also got like in small supporting roles you've got actors like ethan suplee and, and donna murphy um also kind of just adding like really great bits of reality plus you got some uh, a nice uh ape actor nice small little monkey guy mm-hmm. who's s- stellar yeah glad glad to see Dude, how
2: about that how about that little uh the little reveal where it's like oh they're working on a monkey that was actually i thought that was pretty well handled yeah, yeah, it's cool, cause, but it's just like the way the scene starts. You know, you just assume it's a, a person they're working. Yeah.
1: on. Yeah. Well, and then as soon as they say like we may have to euthanize, I was like, what?
0: That's how it works with uh, humans. If you can't surgery them, you just fucking put them down. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> can, <laughs> <laughs> there's a <laughs> no. There's a there's a, a a weird thing that I like. I I um I guess yeah. I I couldn't help but like focus in on in that. I know that Hugh Jackman's character, Tommy, is very uh, focused on curing the, 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 the brain tumor aspect. and I know that that's painted as like a bad thing because like obsessions always bad. Mm. But I, I, I couldn't give over the fact that like everyone is really focusing on the fact that like this, this monkey's brain functioning is being heightened but he still has this tumor. And like, Hugh's like, yo, we gotta like keep going. Like he still is a, human. it doesn't matter if he is like functioning at high capacity, if he's a gonna die. Um, and everyone is like, no, Hugh, you're, you're wrong. <laughs> and he's like, no, I can't, I can't keep, uh, I can't just stop everything I'm doing because this this monkey is smarter and also gonna die. Like it doesn't matter how smart you are if you're in the grave, my dude.
1: It would, but it would still be, even if it can't cure the tumor, right? Like, you could mass market this and make everybody better and make a lot of money.
2: Well, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, they did cure it at the end, but it was just too late for him. Yeah. So,
1: so he's going to be lonely and broken the rest of his days, but he's going to be super wealthy.
2: Right. Yeah. And the world's, a lot of the world's problems will be solved. So, this movie, uh... I did that that's true (laughs) I
0: mean I do I do really like like it because the the idea of this cure um also kind of is in line with this idea of like creation through death which I really liked because of the fact that um if it weren't for Rachel Vice dying he wouldn't have been working so hard to come up with the cure and he wouldn't have put together the idea of the sequence of this tree um so in 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 effect her death led to the to this creation even though it didn't necessarily help him directly um which i also like that as a just another little death and rebirth yeah type Mm -hmm. type joint
2: you know another thing that uh i honed in on last night uh me and my friend washington we pointed out how there's like kind of this weird motif with hair in the movie. I don't know if you guys saw. Yes,
1: it. the hair, right? Like when uh, Rachel Weiss is in bed and he's whispering to her, you see the hairs on the back of her neck, and then the tree also seems to have that, hairs yes. that are feeling out into the world.
2: Right, and then also like you know the, how his hair changes through all the different characters, and how like it seems like hair is kind of like life, and how uh, you know the less hair the, the closer to death they are. Um, because, you know, Rachel Weisz has, like, the short hair. It seems like she's, like, recovering from cancer treatments. And then him in the the bubble has no hair, and he's, like, about to die, I guess. Um, but then also, like, in the opening shot of the film is, like, this close-up of, like, some weird-looking hair that's, like, embedded in the middle of a cross. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yes. And the camera, like, pulls out from a close-up into, like, a medium shot of it. And it's, like... Weird, but then later on it shows that same cross but there's a a ring in the middle of the cross instead of hair. Don't And then it, I think it shows the hair again. I forget like the, you know, what uh in what order it is. Don't hair cells
1: dead. not die the
2: way regular cells
1: do? What do you mean? Well, I mean, so I uh, in a movie that is all about life and death, maybe there's something there? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, um hair is essentially like repurposed dead cells. So like hair itself is Another example of, like, how death can be brought together to create something new. Right. Um, if that's what you were getting at. Yes.
1: And ultimately, still, because they because they enter into their hair state as dead cells, they don't die further. They stay in that state, and they do not further decompose as well. Right.
0: Yeah, you can't, yeah. There's no death beyond death, bro. You just live on as follicles. <laughs> yeah we all become follicles in the great hairline of life but so then taking it further
1: right i'm just skating right past that uh (laughs) to take it to take it a step further hair growing out of our bodies is literally death from life yes so it's just feeding that same that same cycle
2: right well man you guys are touching on some deep stuff here you know uh the whole thing with uh, the commentary on this movie. Do you guys know about that?
0: I had read that uh, Warner brothers didn't want to do a commentary track. So Aronofsky was like, yo, I'm going to do it for my living room and release it on my website. It's eat a dick. Warner right. brothers. So yeah, there's that. Right.
2: Um, yeah. I remember I listened to it back when it came out. I don't remember it, but I remember like he doesn't divulge a lot of the metaphorical meanings or anything, which is totally, you know, within his style. He's never really <laughs> done that. Um, but very interesting, nonetheless. Um, for anybody who wants to listen to the commentary on that, you can find it on his website.
0: Yeah. So we we like to kind of wrap wrap these pieces of media into bigger ideas, and like we've talked about how this movie is specifically about um, loss, and and like Lex was talking about how like he's been thinking about the, like death and loss and stuff in that in that regard. Yeah. Like
1: um, I don't want to be overly morbid, but the stuff that's been going through my mind aggressively lately is stuff like you know everybody. I care about this could conceivably be the last time I see or speak to them. Like I've become very aware of that. Yeah. And in a way, right? Like uh death death gives meaning to life. So my hope is that once I move past the weight of that concept, yeah, it will generate a greater appreciation for all of those moments. But this has been, yeah, a l- lot of that in my head.
0: Yeah and i i i also feel like it it's not like it doesn't weigh heavily on me but like i think about it every so often like i was recently watching the second season of atlanta mm-hmm. um and there's the the really um i guess renowned episode woods which is when uh, alfred gets lost in the woods and he meets this drifter who may or may not be real and there's this quote from it that great episode yeah there's this quote from it that sticks with me where uh he's like the only people who have time are the are, are dead people which is like it's true like we're all here for such a finite amount of time and like it's it's you have to figure out what you're gonna do with that time and you can't just like sit there and and like waste it because essentially we're all just like every second is a piece of sand that's it's like counting down to your death day that you don't even know how long it's like at this Nebulous uh, hourglass that is essentially, um, you know, counting down the moments until you're not here anymore. Right, and most of what we do is
1: people. There's a book. There's a great book by um, Ernest Becker. It's called The Denial of Death that I read a few years ago, and it's basically about how just about everything we do, every structure that we've made, both literal and figurative, every system, every material thing, is all in service directly in service of distracting ourselves from the reality that inevitably we will pass from this earth. Right.
2: Uh yeah. I agree with that but like I don't think that that's um I don't know like I you know I feel like there's a lot of solace in like just living in the moment and not thinking about it, you know? So like when those thoughts cross my mind I have to, you know, just like try to stave them off. Yeah. But you know I I don't know I like it's it's hard for me to Think that like oh we've created everything just so that we don't have to accept that we're gonna die. I mean I'm sure that there's a lot to that, but I don't think that's like the only reason. You know like we obviously we just need to use our time too like to entertain ourselves and stuff like that so that we don't go crazy thinking about fucking nothing. Right. right?
0: Yeah. And I well I mean I feel like that was a lot of the motivations of like a lot of the ancient uh or not even ancient but like a lot of older um creators wanted to make things that existed beyond themselves um i was uh like i think a couple years ago i was in london and i was at the, the like london museum where you see all these like all this shit that like they had stolen from different um cultures and things of that sort but but beyond that piece there's this idea that like there's all the there's all this stuff that lasts throughout um, these centuries like there are these statues and things that people have made there's like the Sistine Chapel which is like a, a, a painting or well, it's more than just a painting but like it's this piece of art that like exists beyond generations and and I don't I, I had this moment where I was thinking about how that isn't necessarily a big thing like a lot of our a lot of our art and a lot of our writings and a lot of our creations are now in like, they're now digital. And so like the moment finite. Yeah. So like the moments that like something happens and all the servers go down, a big chunk of our history also goes with it. Like the fact that like we are digitizing all these books and, and uh, now those are going away. And essentially the moment that like we stop using Electronic technology for whatever reason like that is where a lot of our 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 culture and our history goes right an EMP goes off one
1: spot you don't want it to and suddenly mass amounts of culture and history are just gone
0: right, um, right. and these these little computers in our pockets were more so you are using um, a lot as a way to kind of put uh, things put pieces of knowledge outside of our brain, we're outsourcing knowledge to them so that we don't necessarily have to store things long term. And so like we take for granted how like memorizing dates and stupid like facts from, uh, from like the things that we learn in school, um, we, we kind of take for granted how important that is in that like a lot of history long ago was oral history. Like you knew facts because it was passed down from generation to generation but now we don't have to do that like we can look up when something happened or how things happened um at the blink of an eye but like that's not necessarily like going to be a thing forever right um which is a really crazy thing to think about yeah um because like you would imagine that once we're all gone once our um once once you know, like let's say some civilization comes and is like let's let's do some archaeology on um on earth then like their records one won't they won't be able to read a certain amount of things because like they don't have a cd player dvd player or whatever so like trying to figure out what our society was all about will be so difficult yeah i mean
1: they'll find a whole bunch of old smartphones and other devices but without the culture still in place right eventually all of those servers would go offline all of those devices their batteries would die and and start to kind of decompose within them there's no way to get that information now right unless somebody with an incredible amount of foresight thought to print out the entire internet like it's a big like a, a generations of people took on this task there'd be no access to that information anymore it would all just be gone
2: it sounds like uh, the book of eli <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, was it was it good? Was it great? Did we just rewrite the next the book, book of, of Eli? Eli?
2: I mean, I guess Eli
0: <laughs> too. Uh, can we get Can we get Denzel Washington to come on this podcast and talk about his thoughts on these ideas? He what? was in that movie, right? Dude,
2: if he did the Equalizer two, if he did the Equalizer two, he will do a book of Eli. <laughs> I
1: still don't forgive them for not titling it the Sequelizer. Oh, and yeah. when they complete the trilogy, they have to call it the Three Equalizer. <laughs> and then i will go that's how you get me in that seat
2: dude side
1: note
0: equalizer 2 is kind of cool i've seen neither equalizer don't <laughs> i like the prequel series where he's a, a, a the prequelizer a yes the prequel ah jeez. uh i mean uh Jay, how do you feel about the finality of our thoughts and ideas? (laughs) The fact that in a thousand years, no one will be able to find this podcast. Or Equalizer (laughs) 2. Right. Right. Um, You know,
2: I I feel like, you know, I I mostly agree with what you guys are saying. I don't have like anything crazy to expound upon. But it does remind me, um, I read uh, Isaac Asimov's Foundation about a year or two ago. And I don't know if you guys have read that or know what it's about. Have you? No. I have not read it. Well, tell tell the folks
1: at home what it's okay. about.
2: So it it chronicles the thousand years, a thousand-year history of this galactic civilization and like it's like as if, you know, earthlings evolved in the future and we have like all the technology we need and crazy cities and stuff and one guy comes in and he's like our foundation and our city and everything will not last uh, another thousand years. And he's like the supreme scientist who, he just knows the stuff, so the government listens to him. And they're like, all right, we're going to build another civilization on another planet, and you guys are in charge with collecting all the data of all the history of everything humans have ever done, and you're going to make a, a, basically a massive encyclopedia that's going to detail everything about our history. And he gets this permission. And then, like, there, there's really no main character in the book, because then it just jumps, like, hundreds of years. And so then it jumps to like, I think like 100 or 200 years later, and the project has begun, uh, you know, over the last 200 years. And on a certain date, like 200 years after the project begins, there's a hologram that's going to play. And what it is, is the the guy who, the the crazy scientist, he recorded this hologram, you know, back back 200 years ago. And when like the heads of the committee or the government on this planet see this, he's like, listen, that whole encyclopedia thing, that was just a joke. Uh, We're not doing that. we we really did is we're we're moved our civilization to this planet because i if you follow all my rules you will ensure like a longevity of a peaceful civilization while the old earthlings and the old humans like they're going to die off because of the same problems that affect history always like war and you know technology and, and and everything you know like the fall of empires and all that kind of stuff so he like specifically lied to the government so that they can approve this project that will take thousands of years so that he can really just build his own civilization based on like what he thinks civilization should be like. Um, And then he starts like releasing holograms, like every hundreds of years that have like even more rules and details on like what they need to do. And it's like, he thought all this out thousands of years in advance. Um, But yeah, that that's, that's basically it. Uh, um, Does it. So that, that, that ties into what you guys are saying slightly does um, that end up it, it working well. out for him um kind of like it It. I, i'm trying to remember the ending but like it leaves it doesn't leave on like a very absolute like happy ending it's i think there's some kind of like foreboding at the end um but he's dead so it, it doesn't matter like he accomplished what he set out to do and that was like get through like the next thousand years or whatever
0: right i mean it's it I, I, I feel like the idea is really interesting, but one man can't necessarily like the, my issue is that like one man can't dictate what the proper, like how to make a utopia. So it, yeah. Right. So it would make me wonder how, like, uh, how, how the longevity of the world that he's creating would go and that like, I wonder at what point people would rebel. And, and it's really interesting world. building,
2: Right. Right. Or like what, what the quality, what the quality of life is at that point, like what you're willing to sacrifice so that you can ensure that type of utopia. But th- from what I remember, it, it was very much like, like you could read it and be like, okay, yeah, this guy's right. Like this is what's gonna, this is how the only way for us to survive and, and like do something of meaning with our survival um, I just, I don't remember the details well enough to be able to like say exactly things because it was a few years ago. Yeah. But
0: and, anyway, and, Foundation is a great book. Right. And anyone interested in the premise, which you just uh, laid out, should read the book and get the details for themselves. So like, that's fine. Right. Um,
2: it's a series though. I only, I only read the first one. I don't know about
0: the sequel. Well, read the whole series, everyone. Get your <laughs> Foundation and then keep building on it. Boom. I did it. I'm going to leave now. See you later. And it's, it is weird. It is weird,
2: though, how this story I'm telling you about, about Foundation chronicles a thousand years uh, of like a space civilization and like the fountain kind of chronicles a thousand years in, in a way and, and, and deals with space. So I'm going to say that that's a good parallel for me is like why I brought that up. Yeah.
0: Um, it also like the, the foundation, the premise also reminds me of Snowpiercer where um you know this guy made this train with the rules and uh essentially destroyed the rest of the world and so then it becomes the only way that people can exist and it essentially um the way that you know the the snowpiercer goes around in a circle so too does their society which i think is really interesting very
2: true yeah. yeah snowpiercer is definitely a good yeah good parallel to that um I don't know if I totally bought Snowpiercer's ending, um, but, you know, it was a nice notion.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, I think that, like, it ended—I th- I feel like it ended the only way it could have ended.
1: Um, I do not remember yeah. the ending of Snowpiercer. I remember Captain America eating a baby and yeah. getting into an argument with Ed Harris, and I don't remember what happens after that. Don't uh, they, like, they d- derail the thing, right? No. Um, Spoilers I, for Snowpiercer, I right. guess. Uh,
0: it they stop right, it, yeah, and um and <laughs> yeah they, they they blow up they blow up the train, the train like a bomb
2: goes off, and the train derails, and the only survivors are the girl and this like young child uh, boy. And they're, they like walk out into the snow and see a polar bear. And it's like, I guess the earth has warmed up enough for them to live on, on the land. right like they But they're like the only ones. So I'm kind of like, okay, so this is some like Adam and Eve. Like, you know, unless that's what I'm supposed to take or no.
1: Right. And unless they're going to um, eat that polar I just,
2: bear. I don't see like a realistic.
0: Exactly. I don't see a realistic way for them to survive. after I stuff. actually really like the idea of there being an after credits that just cuts to the polar bear covered in blood. Okay. And it's like, yep. That's over. And Man's you just, you, time is done. You hear, <laughs> like from just outside frame. Yeah, because um, you know, again, kind of looping this back in, like mankind, our time is going to be over at some point. Let the let the earth have itself. Let the let the let the animals take back the the the, the world.
2: Well, you say that because you know you're you're not going to have to be there for the end, right? Like if we were the last the last generation or whatever you know like then you know h- how would we deal with it I feel like that's such a different it's it's so hard it's so easy to to look at like literature and look at films and stuff and like be like yeah like this makes sense and this is how it should be but then like when you're faced with that moment of death and it's like I don't know no, man it's like but, but wait I didn't think it would happen you know to it. me no I actually
1: right exactly
0: <laughs> here's the thing though is I I actually feel like um I I don't think that I think that faced with that reality, I think I'd be like, yeah, I mean, it's 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 time because i I always watch these these movies and these shows, um, and like read these stories where it's always like mankind trying to to, you know, survive on their last bits and 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 they I feel like none of them really ask the question like, do we deserve to to move on? And like usually, we right. are the the cause of our own, like, undoing. And it's these people who are the last survivors of whatever we did to ourselves. And it's like, no, like, you get right. to that point, then you've you've forfeited your right to, like, claim to have the high ground to live and, and keep moving on. Like, I get being in that moment, being like, I'm not directly responsible for it. But, like, you know. Right. We,
2: yeah, I mean, there's a difference between, like, what we're responsible for and what we personally want right yeah. like that's what I'm saying is like just the human instinct and the human emotion like it's so easy to to, to say these things and, and look at things that, that talk about the end like this but then like I, I don't know like when it comes down to it am I gonna feel any kind of like peace or solace over the way I'm, I'm going out or the way things are going out you know like I don't know I just feel like the the the, the natural instinct of self-preservation is just will overwhelm everything and, and it. There's no way I'll be able to look at like death in the end and be like, man, this is metaphorical and this is great, you know. Like... <laughs>
0: <laughs> those were his last words. Oh, that's a
1: metaphor. No clue what the fuck he was talking oh, right. about. He was pretty doped up at that point. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, you know, there there are those guys who like they say like the most killer last words ever before they die, right? Like I remember I looked up a Wikipedia page of like famous last words, and there's some pretty badass shit on there. But it's like, man, those people—they're what, like, one in a million right. people who can just take it like that. Right? <laughs> Not <Yeah>. me.
0: <laughs> my last words are going to be, "Don't tell them I pooped my pants," and then that's the end. <laughs> um, we all—we all shit he, our pants he when he we died. Die. As he lived,
1: <laughs> <laughs> he would have wanted it this way. <laughs>
0: It's like that scene in yeah, uh, dude, in uh, the Molly Ringwald movie where um, where he holds up the panties, except it's my dirty drools. <laughs> He's dead.
2: I don't know what movie it's you're
0: talking a, about. A, it's either Sixteen Candles or it is um, it, it's one of the other like John Hughesy while you're reading movies
1: it's not the breakfast club
0: no it's not the breakfast club it's one okay. of the it's whichever one has um uh Aaron michael hall because Aaron michael hall does the anthony does michael the hall? uh yes anthony michael hall um he does the panty holding um anyways
1: Is that a 60- i get 16 i think it's in 16 candles
0: mixed up uh, yeah i haven't seen either one of them i only remember. i haven't seen yeah. either <laughs> um so one of those two um Anyways, that's a lot of explanation for a really dumb, gross joke. <laughs> um, but we're we're in our last few minutes, so um, do you guys have any last thoughts about the fountain? Any um, like lingering things that you really liked about it? Uh, anything that hit you the wrong way, but you just overlook? Guys, um, this, this is your last chance to talk about the fountain. Then it'll go away forever. Just like we all will, yeah, like
2: tears in the rain and whatnot. Well, dude, let's (laughs)
0: let's 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 be honest. It's already gone
2: away. Like no one watches this movie. I don't. I I I could hand. I can name like a handful of people that I know who've seen it. Um, and word word back in the day was that there's like a possible way that it one day it'll be it'll come out on Criterion, and that could be that that would be amazing. amazing. I, I just don't see it happening. Um, you can't. It's not. It never even streams on anything. It's never on Netflix or anything. You gotta. You just gotta rent it or buy it. Um, yeah, I think the the Blu-ray is ten bucks
1: on Amazon. Right. That's yeah. That's the, the
2: Blu-ray is great. By the way, there's a great um, there's a great making of segment. Like I would say, like it's about an hour, and there's a, a five minute loop of just different uh, chemical reaction loops of like a, a petri dishes and stuff like. Just it's awesome. Like total zone out kind of visuals, um, but with the music of the of the film playing over it, and dude, that score, man, that's that score is amazing. There's there's like there's like three different uh I, I don't know music or instruments that well so like i'm probably gonna sound like a fool but there's like three different sounds from different tracks on the score and one of them is like that like haunting violin i think that that like kind of starts up the movie when he when when we first see him in space and he like floats around his bubble and the music starts like it's very sad you, you guys know, yeah, what, I'm talking I know about? what you're talking about yeah that that to me is like I don't know, like I, it, it, it just like h- creates something in me, and I can't like put a finger on it or say like what it is or why I like it or whatever. But like it, it just draws me in completely. And then there's the there's like an eight minute track that's like the entire climax, like the buildup of him like eating the sap and then going into the the star and the explosion, um, which is just like has like tremendous like momentum moving through it, like like totally emotional uh, momentum building up until it literally explodes mm-hmm. at the end. And then finally there's the the last track in at the end credits um which is just a piano um it's called the last man and or no no sorry it's called together we will live forever uh the last man was the the first violin isn't guy. I believe that was also the but, working um, title of the movie that was right yeah the last Interesting. man um yeah which that's a cool title too man in fact i i would like maybe like that title more than the fountain because as much as it's about like you know uh the fountain of youth in a in a way it's really about the tree of life right like it's not about the fountain specifically it's more like what the fountain represents
0: yeah i mean i think the tree of life was already taken by no tree of life is later a movie that came out in right the in right, Mal, mm-hmm. yeah. so he really missed his chance to steal that title so. <laughs> what Darren Aronofsky, failure <laughs> to the it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: when Darren Aronofsky well, well, well. listens
0: to this podcast, he's going to be very angry. I know he'll be like, you know what? That's what my movie was about. It was about success and failure, failure in success. There's success in failure. I get it. I right. understand. Yeah. Mother's about my career. <laughs> Yo,
2: you know, you know what's, you know what's crazy is that. Uh, what what he did was he basically like like this film is like when you're pushing. the art house cinema, like, to the max, right? Like, this is completely, like, almost like, this is a big budget art film, in a sense, even though, like, the budget wasn't that big. Um, But then, like, if you look at his next film was The Wrestler, which is literally the complete opposite end of, or the complete opposite of the spectrum of cinema. Like, it was shot like a Darden film, basically, like, handheld cameras, no special effects, nothing. It's just a story about real people, uh, a drama, essentially. Um, So I think it says a lot about, like, his career and his trajectory of how like he just went from that to the other. Obviously he had so much trouble making the fountain that I don't, I, I can understand why he was like, all right, I'm just going to do like the most simple thing in the world. Um, but yeah, like his, also his films afterwards, like you follow like a black Swan parts of Noah and then mother, how there's like a through line for sure um, of, of like the filmmaking, the, the way he shoots stuff and the way he uh, has like these like building narratives that like climax, like, amazingly at the end um i'm sorry i'm a huge darren
0: aronofsky fan yeah that's why you're here buddy you know um (laughs) just gushing over here man (laughs) that's what the show is for it's all about that gushing motherfuckers better be in the splash zone hell yeah (laughs) 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 um all right uh we gotta we gotta start wrapping up uh so jay where where can people find you if they want to talk to you more about the fountain
2: um, find me on Instagram, Munchy King 131 That's Munchy with
0: an I-E. Um, yeah, there. Awesome. Uh, cool. Lex, where can people find you? I am on Instagram and Twitter at TheLexMichael awesome you can find me at J. that's t-a-u-r-i-j-a-y uh and guys if you're it maybe if this is your first time listening maybe um you're a, a seasoned missing out veteran um but if you have the time take a chance take a take a few moments to go on whatever platform it is that you're listening on whether it be spotify or google play store or um uh, uh itunes and just give us like a, a rating which, that would be phenomenal. It'll help other people find us. It'll help um, our, us. our
1: descendants know you were here. Exactly. Learn a little bit about our culture and our history before all the servers go down.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, the, there will be cockroaches and missing out based on your <laughs> recommendations they'll
1: be listening to the podcast <laughs> the
0: generations eons after we have passed uh-huh they'll be like vaping birds ha 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 give me a little bit more of that giant rat uh, <laughs> uh but yeah please uh help uh, help support the show we thank you guys for listening um, and any, uh, any review we get, we read it here on the show. So we appreciate you. Um, make sure if you have a chance, uh, hit us up on the Missing Out hotline. Let us know what you're into or let us know what you thought about the fountain. If you don't know the number, it is 978-MISS-OUT. That number again is 978 978- miss out uh once more i really want to thank jay for stopping by and chatting with us and letting us get real weird and existential jay. <laughs> Uh, All right, we will see you next week, guys. You've been filled in. What? Filling it in. Hell yeah. It's my new catchphrase. Did you forget? It's so good. You've been filled in. I'm filling you in with this thick, juicy (laughs) information. I feel very uncomfortable in my place of work. (laughs) Uh, Okay, bye. Did you know a turkey puppet once ran for the presidency of Ireland? Did you know that meat once rained from the skies of Kentucky? Did you know that there was an emperor of the United States for a while? Then listen to the Wiki Ship Down podcast.
2: We live in an age when the sum total of humanity's knowledge can be found in your pocket on a smartphone at any given time. But when that knowledge is peer editable, like it is on Wikipedia, what does that say about mankind? So follow us down the digital rabbit hole as we drink, joke, and curse our way through the random button on Wikipedia and see where our journey through humanity's knowledge takes us.
0: While you're at it, follow us on all social media at Wikiship Down. I'm Ruth Ann.
2: I'm Ryan. And be sure to find us every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts.